So I'm wondering this morning if anyone here ever realizes over and over again that you have married a person who is simply just better than you. Happens to my husband all the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, truly, I'm just kidding, especially when it comes to the topic that we are talking about in the series that we're in. This morning, we're in the third week of this series called Make Room, where we're talking about being open to learning from other people, all kinds of other people, people who think just like we do and people who don't. And uh, it's really a series about each one of us thinking about, praying about how we could gently increase the bandwidth of, of the kinds of people that we're willing and open to learn from. And it's really about what kind of people we need to become in order to do that. And if you were here the first week, a couple weeks ago, Dave in this room taught about our desperate need for humility. In our, in our willingness to being open to learn from others. And Jeff, last week, talked about this need we all have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. That, that really, at the epicenter of true learning is very often a sense of discomfort. I thought both were incredible teachings. If you didn't get to listen to them, you can listen online. And, and I want to talk about another aspect this morning that, of the kind of person we need to become in order to make room to learn from other people. And this is something um, that my husband Chuck has, uh, has grown in over the years as, as I've watched him in his life. This attribute that I want to talk about this morning is about being curious about other people rather than critical. And I, I listened to my husband set goals for himself about becoming a better question asker, becoming a better question asker with the people he works with, with his uh, grown children, with me, and always trying to think about when he's in conversation, getting other people to talk about themselves more than he talks about himself. And again, I, I don't think this is something he's always been good at. This is something that he's gradually worked on in his life. And I have been amazed. I am basically an introvert. And if I get into a room of people I don't know, I tend to withdraw. Chuck tends to go right into it. And he gets into as many fascinating conversations as he can get into. And I've watched him through the years. And sometimes really good things happen. So several years ago, we were in Chicago, and uh, Chuck was at a pub, and he started to just make conversation with a man who was seated at a table next to him, and they ended up having this fascinating, great conversation about all aspects of their life. Turns out, this man was very high up in the Marriott Hotel Property uh, Corporation, and he ended up, he had so much fun with Chuck that he made Chuck a Platinum Marriott member for life in the Marriott properties. Oh my goodness, such a great, great outcome. I was very pleased. I was very pleased with that. So I, enough about Chuck, but one more thing. I think, I think one of the reasons he's so good at this is that he believes down to his toes that we really can learn something 
from everyone that we come into contact with if we're open to it. Uh, I want you to listen to what uh, 16th century Reformed theologian John Calvin, many people think of John Calvin as kind of the father of the Reformed church, you know, which Orchard Hill is a part of. John Calvin said this about this concept. He said, all truth is from God, and consequently, if wicked men, remember, so he's talking in the 16th century, if, if wicked men, and I'm sure he means women, too, have said anything that is true and just, we ought not to reject it. For it has come from God. All truth, wherever and however we encounter it, is God's truth. And Calvin uses kind of strong language to push this idea that we can learn from almost anyone and everything if we have our eyes and ears open to search for and to listen for and to watch for the revelation of God's truth in the world and in people all around us. And as I think about this, I think to myself, what an exciting way to live out our days on this earth. Open rather than closed. Curious rather than critical. Open all the time to learning and discern, you know, being wise about it, but to learning from others. Because God's truth is all around us and God wants each one of us to grow and to, and to know more and to change and to learn more. So this morning I want to look at this idea of being curious rather than critical. In a story in the book of Acts, chapter 17, um, and, and in, in the book of Acts, Acts is found after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts is a kind of a story of the early church. And in, in this section of Acts, we find the Apostle Paul traveling around the Middle East, talking to all different kinds of people about Jesus and, and his life and his death and especially his resurrection and that he is the Messiah. And so let's pick up the story here, Acts chapter 17, starting with verse 16. It'll be on the screen. This is what Luke writes. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, so he's waiting for his friends Timothy and Silas that he's kind of doing his mission work with. He was waiting for them in Athens. He was greatly distressed because he saw that the city was full of idols. So all around him in ancient Greece, in ancient Athens, there were all kinds of probably literal statues of idols, false gods. It says, so he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace. So he, he, Paul went to both the religious places and he went to the secular places, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. And a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. So then I think to myself, well, who are these people? Who are these Epicureans and these Stoics? And what are they like? And why are they debating with Paul? And so, you know... Kind of just the shortest little definition. Epicureans were followers of a certain kind of Greek philosophy that had at its core, this is really a dumbed-down version, but at its core, um, they were devoted to sensual enjoyment, especially from fine food and drink. I'm thinking, hey, okay, sign me up to be an Epicurean. And the Stoics were also followers of a certain kind of a Greek philosophy, but they kind of taught the exact opposite 
view of the world, they taught that we needed to have great self-control and fortitude in order to uh, overcome any kind of destructive emotions or destructive behavior. And I was thinking about these two groups of people, thinking how, how much like oil and water they were, one devoted to sensual enjoyment and one doing everything they can to not enjoy anything. And I started to think it's a little bit like the Kardashian sisters meet Mother Teresa at a dinner party. Okay, this is what was happening with Paul. He's arguing and debating about Jesus with this kind of a crowd. Okay, let's continue and see what happens. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say about Paul as he's talking about Jesus? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they hear something that they're unfamiliar with, something that sounds different to them and strange to them. Their first reaction is such a typical human reaction. It's to be critical. It's to call him a name. It's to maybe kind of misrepresent what he's talking about. And I know I do this. I think we all do this. We watch this happen in the news media all the time. And the... The problem with it, though it's a typical human reaction, is that it closes us off from any kind of further learning. And if the story had ended there, that's where we would have ended. Critical. But listen to what happens when curiosity wins the day. Then they took him, so they took Paul, and they brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, which is, again, short version, it's really kind of the Supreme Court They took him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? Something shifted in them. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. Instead of staying critical, they became curious. And these philosophers ask this incredibly great question. And most great questions flow out of curiosity. May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? Curious, not critical. You're bringing some strange new ideas to our ears. We've never heard this before. And we would like to know what they mean. And Paul goes on in this section in the book of Acts to preach one of his most famous sermons in the court at Athens. And he talks to them about Jesus and about how all these false idols are really really just, they're searching for the one true God which is found in Jesus. I, I encourage you to read this when you get home. And many of them ended up following Jesus. Why? because they decided to be curious rather than critical. And you and I can become the same. We can become curious people rather than just critical. We can become great question askers and then great listeners. And I believe that we must, as followers of Jesus, do this because we have a reputation to overcome in the world we live in. It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was this famous German pastor who was martyred 
by Hitler and his men for his stance against Nazism, who wrote this. He said, many people are looking for an ear that will listen, but they do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking when they should be listening. Have you ever been around someone and all they do is talk? Don't look to the side or the left or the right of you right now. Just look straight at me. <laughs> or maybe all they do is criticize. It's the first word out of their mouth when they meet someone new or have some new experience. Critical, 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 critical. Do you fall into this rut? What might change in your life, in your relationships, if you decided to become a curious person rather than a critical one? What if you decided as you started your day, as you started your day with your family, as you started your work day, as you started your day in whatever circumstances you find yourself in, what if you decided, today I'm going to be a great listener rather than just a great talker? And listen, it's not against the rules of the Christian faith to listen I know we have good news to share. But even Jesus' brother James commands followers of Jesus to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And the truth is, if you really want someone to listen to you, the very best way that you can get them to do that is to listen really well to them first. So let's talk about a few areas of our lives where this idea of being curious, not critical, can have a powerful impact. The first area is the area of marriage. And if, if you're not married, you can apply this to a significant other in your life or, or your, in your life with your best friend. But for those of us who are married, uh, there's this uh, psychologist and researcher named John Gottman. What John Gottman does is he studies divorce prediction. So he looks at behaviors amongst married couples, and he pr can predict certain kinds of behavior that very often lead to divorce. And then he specializes in divorce prevention. It's a, it's a fascinating field of research. But he says that one of the leading gauges for measuring a happy marriage is whether the two spouses allow themselves to be influenced by the other person. Whether the spouses are able to be curious with each other rather than critical. So let me ask you, if you're married or planning to be married this morning, how often are you a curious question asker and a really good listener with your spouse? I'm talking about with things as small as what television show you love to watch, all the way up to what do we believe about raising kids, about how we should live out our faith, about how we should spend our money, about what we want retirement to look like. When you disagree with each other, what would it look like for you to consider becoming curious in that moment rather than critical? about perhaps asking great questions like the Epicureans and the Stoics did. Might it change your life like it did theirs? Could you ask questions like, will you tell me more? 
Or can, you know, you can put these in your own words, <laughs> or you could go write, write them on an index card <laughs> and use them if you want, but, but you know, basic same idea. Can you help me to understand? Or would you be willing to explain to me how you came to that conclusion or, or why you think that way or where this concept came from in your life? Will you help me learn from you? What incredible questions for you to ask in your marriage. Now, Chuck and I have a difference of opinion about some issues having to do with mowing the lawn. Okay, we've been married 33 years. Chuck believes you should pick up sticks and dog poop before you mow. Who knew? Isn't that interesting? I do not share this belief. So we talk about it, right? We're curious with each other. And we try to ask each other questions about where we developed that belief or why we have that specific belief. And sometimes we ask kinder questions to each other than others, but we try. So I asked Chuck, what, why, why do you have this particular view? And he says, well, I don't want all those things, sticks and dog poop, spraying all over the yard. And I say to him, I see, thank you. That helps me understand. And he says to me, well, please help me understand why you would go out there and mow without picking up the dog poop or the sticks. And I say, listen, when I mow, which is all the time, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, I like to mow right over the sticks and the poop because when they spray all over, I feel as if I'm mulching and fertilizing at the same time. <laughs> it's just kind of the ultimate multitask, and I'm accomplishing three tasks at one time. And he smiles at me, and I smile at him, and we agree to disagree. Curiosity, not criticism, is really good for your marriage, or frankly, any relationship in your family. Parents of adult kids, here's your mantra. Curious, not critical. Curious, not critical. Curious, not critical. Say it every time before the phone rings, before you go to visit, before they come to visit. I'm telling you right now. Curious, not critical. Save your relationship. Okay, so family, marriage is one of the first areas where this idea of being curious, not critical, can have a profound impact. Second really important area is in our faith community. In our faith community. If you've been around Orchard Hill Church for a while, you've probably heard us say that we're a big tent church. Big tent church, which basically means we follow this idea given to us by Rupertus Maldinius. You can name your next child this. Uh, he's a 17th century theologian, and he said this. He's a Lutheran theologian. He said, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. This means at the essential part of our faith, faith about who God is and who Jesus is and the Spirit and the Scriptures, we share the same beliefs. But when it comes to the non-essentials of the faith, and there are many, we have liberty, meaning you're free to have your own belief, differing beliefs, and many of us do. But in all things... We treat each other with love and respect and kindness and curiosity rather than criticism. Did you know that not everybody here at Orchard believes the exact same thing you do about a lot of things? 
And did you know that that's one of the things that makes Orchard Hill Church unique? Anybody can go to a church where everybody's forced to believe the exact same thing about everything. But it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to make a place like this work. What if one of our jobs as people who call Orchard home was to be curious rather than critical about other people who think differently than we do about things that really matter to us? See, the world around us desperately wants places to have important civil conversations. But I do not blame them right now that the church is the last place they are looking. Because we have been led around by the nose too often by this idea in our culture that if someone doesn't think the exact same way we do, that they are then the spawn of Satan. It's just not Christian thought. It's just not right. We need to refuse to demonize those who think differently than we do on issues. Here's an example. There is a woman, a a, a female truck driver, who comes to Orchard on occasion when she's not out on the road. And she does not believe that women should teach from the Bible from up front. In case you haven't noticed, I'm a woman. I've been teaching up here for 20 years. And she came up and said to me with a big smile on her face, you know, Alice, I don't believe that women should teach. But here's the problem. When you do teach, I learn stuff. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to still not believe you should teach, but I'm going to come anyway and listen to you. And I said to her, that is completely fine with me. And she didn't demonize me. I didn't demonize her. We agreed to disagree and live amicably together and cheer each other on under this big tent that is Orchard Hill Church. This ought to be the safest place in the world to have honest conversations about things that matter. And remember, just because you're curious about something or someone, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything they say. That's not true at all. We're just willing to be a curious question asker and a good listener. One last area um, where we can practice being curious rather than critical, and I think it's an arena that we have a really hard time with for all different kinds of reasons, and that's that we, we can be curious rather than critical with those who have completely different life experiences from us. Maybe people who grew up in a different country or in a different religion or with a whole different world experience than we have. We don't have to be scared when we walk into any other different kind of environment. But we instead, because we have the mind of Christ, we can be curious, not critical. Our eldest daughter studied uh, for uh, several months in Morocco when she was a junior in college, and we went to visit her. Morocco is a country on the northwest part of the continent of Africa, a primarily Muslim country, and we had never been in an environment like that before, and we, we tried to go in curious rather than critical. And we met her host family, both doctors, both Muslims, and they had two daughters, and they were the kindest, most hospitable people we have ever met in our whole life. They would have given anything for our daughter 
They loved her as if she was their own. And when we came to visit them, they, they hosted us and they fed us and they fed us and they fed us and they fed us and they invited their, their relatives down from the mountains, the folks who have never, had never met anyone from the United States before, who didn't speak any English. And Chuck uh, was talking to the two daughters who were thinking about their future education. And I, I don't know why this happened, maybe because Often men in that country don't talk to daughters about their education, but as he was doing this and was listening to what their plans were for the future, the father, the host father, yells out, Chuck Shirey, best men in America. <laughs> which, and, which, you know, we've kind of given him grief about for the rest of his life. But I'll never forget their hospitality. And then, this one last moment, we were walking down the street in the capital city, Rabat, in the middle of the day, hot, dusty, busy, traffic everywhere, and the call to prayer went out. It goes out kind of across the city four times a day. And standing next to us was a construction worker. He has hard hat on, he had dirty boots and dirty hands, and the call to prayer went out, and the man stopped, and he bent down and took his boots off, and he set them to the side. And he pulled a, card, a big piece of cardboard out of his backpack and he set it on the ground and he took his hard hat off and he kneeled on the ground and prayed. And I know you're not supposed to stare, but I just stopped and stared at this man and I, I'll never forget the moment. He and I don't share the same faith. But I was so touched. And I thought, look at this man's willingness to be interrupted Look at how unashamed he is of his faith, that he would worship in the middle of the street, in the middle of the day. Would I, would I do these things? Is my faith strong enough? That moment has never left me. It doesn't mean that I swallow everything I see hook, line, and sinker. In fact, I shouldn't, you know, but at some point we all have to let the margins get pressed out a bit on what we're willing to learn from. This is how we grow. This is how our faith roots sink deep. This is how we know what we really believe. Might you be willing in your life to be curious, not critical, when you come into contact with people who grew up in very different environments than you did? And might you be willing to look for God's truth in the eyes, in the stories, in the words of people who are very, very different from you? Let me just close with a challenge. This man named Craig Springer studied, studies millennials and, and their faith and the church and mission. And he said this about Jesus. He said, Jesus asked 307 questions and only directly answered eight. Change the world by asking 307 questions. That was his approach to bringing the kingdom to bear in people's lives. Listening and creating space for conversation. Will you this week, in whatever environment you're in, commit yourself, if you have to write it down on a post-it note, curious, not critical, would you practice becoming more like Jesus by leading with your curiosity, by asking great questions, by becoming a great listener, and by being open to God's truth wherever it can be found? Let's pray.
God, sometimes we mistake sharing the good news with hogging the conversation and thinking that it's only our stories that matter, it's only our words that count, that we have to lead with with our mouths and with our words, and that if we see something that's different or that we don't understand or that we haven't encountered before, our job is to be critical. And yet I believe you demonstrated a completely different way the way of curiosity, the way of question asking, the way of great listening, the way of setting up important conversations by understanding that every single human is precious to your Father and that truth can be found anywhere in anyone if we have the eyes to see it. And so I pray, God, this morning, as we continue to worship, that you would um, just press upon our hearts to become curious, question-asking listeners rather than critical talkers. I pray that in Jesus' good and powerful name. Amen.